Are you a job seeker or professional looking to take their career to the next level? Spark Your Resume is an online resume writing and career advancement services company here for you. Spark Your Resume specializes in resume enhancement, LinkedIn profile development, interview coaching, and career consulting. They help professionals from undergrad students to the executive level. They have helped over 120 clients land interviews and jobs at companies such as Apple, Facebook, Fiserv, Wells Fargo, PwC, Emory Healthcare, and more. They offer their number one seller to spark your career package, which includes a resume enhancement, LinkedIn profile development, personalized cover letter, messaging template so you get an introduction email template, cover letter template, and thank you letter template along with the 45-minute tutorial on how to navigate LinkedIn effectively. You can also download their free interview guide at www.sparkyourresume.com forward slash interview dash guide. Visit their website at www.sparkyourresume.com to learn more about the company, services, and pricing. Spark Your Resume, helping real people obtain real results. Yo, 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 welcome to the Spark Your Success podcast, where we dive into entrepreneurship, career advancement, and highlight real people obtaining real results in in multiple industries, such as business, technology, sports, entertainment, beauty, health, and much more. I'm your host, Leander Howard II, founder and CEO of Spark Your Resume, an online resume writing and career advancement services company, helping real people obtain real results. Today, I got two of my heavy hitters joining us today. Um, We're going to share how they navigated their college careers at Georgia State University and utilized their skill sets to leverage multiple streams of income. Welcome to the show, fellas, Adonis Oyeva and Frankie Murphy. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here, man. Yes, sir, man. Let's jump right into it, man. Let's drop some gems for the people. Um, But first, I want you guys to just introduce yourselves. Can you tell the people where you're from? how your upbringing has impacted your life today. Yeah, uh, well, my name is Frankie Murphy. Uh, I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, originally. Born and raised. Uh, came down here strictly for school. I kind of took the uh, unconventional route by coming down here to Georgia. Uh, again, um, a lot of things that impacted my life today was, uh, more importantly, the, the circle I surrounded myself when I was younger. You know, um, they kind of helped me navigate my own mindset and really discover who I am as a person and um, what route I should take in life. And my parents are probably the most impactful. My mother, um, she kind of helped me a lot around investing, the investing mindset. And um, yeah. That's good, man. That's good. Yeah, network is most definitely essential, bro. You're the average of the five people you hang around the most, right? Yep. Yeah, man. What about you, Adonis? So yeah, my name is Adonis Ayeva. Um, I'm from Togo, West Africa. Togo is right next to Ghana. It's very, very small. So if you don't know where it is, don't feel bad at all. It's a, <laughs> it's a t- it's tiny, tiny country. But um, yeah, I think definitely growing up over there till I was uh, about 11, uh, shaped my early beginnings and really my whole life. Uh, and my mom, my older sister, and my older brother were probably the three people that impacted me the most. My mom was an entrepreneur herself, and mm. my sister actually, I think I was like 14 when she gave me the book, uh, Wish That Poured Out. Yep. And I, yeah, that's the book that pretty much uh, did it for me. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Okay, I didn't know your mom was an entrepreneur. That's what's up, man. Good to know. 
So that being said, man, I kind of want to just jump right into it, man. I want to actually want to hear your thoughts first on like what 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 is something you live by? What kind of what kind of fuels your fire every day? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely speak in the test to that. Really, is uh, live every day like it's your last, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've had I lost so many people in the last couple of years, and some people I haven't gotten the chance to say you know I miss you or I love you or yeah. you know went to go visit. Or, you know, just hug them one last time. So something I live by is just reach out to that person or anyone you're feeling like you miss and just say hi or check up on them because, again, you might not know what they're going through or you don't know the next time you're going to see them. So definitely, you know, centered around love and trying to make sure you check up on people occasionally. Mm -hmm. For me, I think it's really, you know, I think you probably hear this often with a lot of immigrants, you know, when you grew up in another country and you have the opportunity to come here you know america is always seen as like the land of opportunity the land of dreams so you know i have a lot of friends who were not fortunate enough to come here and have the opportunities that i've had to go to college for free you know when i was playing basketball at the time i was playing basketball and i I took that really seriously and you know i have a lot of friends who wanted to play basketball here did not get that opportunity and uh, i was blessed enough to be here to come here and uh, get access to all these opportunities that I mean, we have them here, but we take them for granted. But in other countries, there's, there's not really too many yeah, options sometimes. Don't exist, man. It don't exist. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I think that that's what fuels me because I just realized I'm just blessed, happy to be here. You know, just every day I wake up is a blessing. Yeah, man. And even at your, you know, you had uh, the brunch the other day, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, your sister right. was talking about that, bro. I was like, man, that's something I even I even know for real, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just how she was like, yeah, I mean, you came to, came to the States, bro, and you really just built a powerhouse, you yeah. know, around you, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And she was just proud of seeing how you built, you know, your network, how you went to Georgia State and just conquered it, bro. So mm-hmm. it was definitely, uh, it's, a big, it's a big accomplishment, man. And getting into that, I kind of want to just ask you guys, like, you know, what methodologies did your parents instill in you? Was it, you know, go to go to college, get a full-time job, mm-hmm. um, you know, the traditional route, and then, I mean, you can't blame them, right? You know, back back in 1970, you know, that, that was the, that was the norm, right? Yeah. Where everybody was going to corporate. You know, corporate took care of you. They gave good benefits. Mm-hmm. But in today's world, as all of us are now, we got our side hustles, maybe working corporate or full-time entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of want to hear your thoughts on, like, what what was instilled in you from the get-go and, and how has that changed over time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so both of my parents, uh, they were born in the 50s and 60s, you know, so uh, they kind of grown up that go to college lifestyle or, you know, go get a full time job. They both work at the government right now, you know, nothing wrong with it. But, you know, that's how the culture was back then, you know. So my parents, they were kind of old school with me. Of course, they wanted me to go to college, you know, take the occasional route and things of that nature. But my mom, she actually owned a few properties on the side. So she will always tell me, you know, that real estate is kind of the foundation of wealth and things of that nature. And when I always wanted to watch TV and do things of that nature, she always say, hey, Frankie, those people are paid. They're getting their money. So I, that was something, when you look back on it, it's something crazy because it's like, okay, mom, I'm still gonna watch TV, but right. I, 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 I kind of understand what you're saying. But right. now that I'm, you know, older, I'm a little bit wiser. Yep. I, I totally understand those people are literally already paid. They put the work in, they put the consistency in to get paid, and they're feeding off of, you know, our wanting to get entertainment from them. You know, so that that was some of the methodology she's put into me, and of course the real estate and the wealth aspect as well into investing. Okay. 
Dang, man, real, real estate. We're going to get into that soon. We're going to get into that soon. What about you, Adonis? Mm, um, I think for me, just uh, just hard work. Just that yeah. work ethic from a very early age. Yeah. Um, so my, my mom was also born in the 50s, but my dad was a bit older. He was actually born in uh, 1942. Mm. So he's 78 now. Oh. Um, when, he, when he had me, he was about... He was pushing 60, probably. Damn. Yeah, so, so when I was born, my mom had the foresight to know that um, since they were a bit older, uh, I had to hurry up and be done with school because they probably wouldn't be able to take care of me in the older years. And that's pretty much mm-hmm. exactly what happened. So I ended up graduating high school at 15, not because I was really that smart, just because after school, I would be studying what the next grade was studying. So mm-hmm. when I was in the fourth grade, I was studying for the fifth grade after school every day and on weekends. And um, yeah, so Togo is like, mm-hmm. so Togo is, is built off like the old French system. So after the fifth grade, you got to take this test, right? It's like you don't, if you don't pass that test, you can't go to middle school. So basically, um, I never even went to the fifth grade. At the end of the fourth grade, I just took the test. I passed it, they let me go to middle school. And, gotcha. then, and I started school when I was like three. So it was just, you know, yeah. from the beginning, she was just pushing me, pushing. I didn't know why, I didn't understand. Right. But, but now I get it. It's because, right. you know, I had to be able to fend for myself because... My parents were a bit on the older side, so it's just that that work ethic, that thing has just stuck with me. Yeah, man. Um, it's a it's a lot of things we don't get when we young, yeah. right? That 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 pay dividends later, for man. Sure. When we grow up, so sure. most definitely got to be thankful for the people that influenced us or had an influence on us mm-hmm. uh, while we were children and knew what's best for us when we were young, right? We weren't yeah. wise then. Yeah. Uh, but nah, man. I, I do. I like one thing you said that work ethic, man. Um, it's it's most definitely key when. When trying to build a business, you know, trying to make you know make things happen in life, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of want to transition into how did how did that work ethic kind of transition into college, right at Georgia State? Mm-hmm. Um, I know we, we all went to Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just touch on like what you what you studied at Georgia State and why you chose your major? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I studied uh, finance. I started out at Georgia State with finance, and then um, I wanted to get a bit into technology just because. People are telling me, hey, FinTech, FinTech, that's where everything is going. You know, yes, you need sir. To take some CIS classes, and I picked up a CIS minor, but I didn't really have the, the discipline to really uh, stick with it because once I got my internship, I was like, well, I already have my tech internship. I don't even need a minor. So then I just kept my business mm-hmm. major. Um, but yeah, I studied, I studied business, pretty much finance, and I'm switching to economics like my last year because um, I was actually with Frankie running a business. And that was taking up pretty much all of my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I kind of realized like after my second internship that I was not gonna go the corporate route. Mm. And uh, tell the truth, I almost dropped out at one point. But then I thought about my mom. I thought about you know all the work she put in. Sacrifices, yeah. Yeah. So then mm. I just I stuck with it and I ended up graduating. That's what's up, man. Congrats on the graduation. What about you, Frank? Yeah. Well, to first give you guys, I have to give you guys really the rundown of uh, how I even got to Georgia State. Yeah. Really, because as you know, I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. How does how do I find out about Georgia State? True. You true. know, so me, I don't know if you guys know much about Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, but it's the actual capital of Pennsylvania. Everyone thinks it's Philly. Everyone thinks it's Philly. But it's not Philly. I thought it was Philly. It's not nah, Philly. nah, it's Harrisburg, it's Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, man. It's the inner city. Um, okay. I'm gonna call it inner city youth and everything. So. 
growing up in Harrisburg, you know, I grew around a lot of people that, you know, looked like me, that was black, Latino, things of that nature. Right. But I, everything outside of Harrisburg was just completely didn't look like me, you know, right. unless you were in another city like Philadelphia. And so how that contributed to me, you know, growing up and actually wanting to move out of state was just essentially the financial literacy that was made accessible to us mm. in high school. Mm. So I attended Harrisburg High School, SciTech campus, and essentially Harrisburg High School is like, uh, at the time, was one of the worst uh, you know, high schools to graduate from. And you Dang. didn't really, you know, if you went to Harrisburg High, you kind of weren't expected to go to college, college. especially as a black male. Mm -hmm. So, you know, SciTech was kind of that uh, opposition to that. It was that second coming. They, uh, uh, a woman started it within the Harrisburg School District to help students, you know, seek out colleges and be that extra extension to the other world and that opportunity. So... That was really the foundation where I came from. And really, being in class one day, this contributes to my major. Um, we actually were learning about stocks for the first time around 11th or 12th, 12th grade. And I was just completely fascinated about you know investments and things of that nature and how we're just now getting taught this and how we didn't have any accounting classes or any financial literacy classes. I didn't know how to do taxes. I didn't know how to you know, invest in a stock up into that class when we were doing case studies. And that was something new to me. So that kind of, you know, contributed to me wanting to learn more about uh, financial literacy and more about the finance world. And literally being around in the inner city, you know how the inner city is sometimes, you know, we're not our culture and sometimes, you know, our families and we're not made, you know, that's not in our community, you know, the financial literacy and, and the savings and the investing and things of that nature. You know, we're not talking about investing as, you know, 12 year olds, 10 year olds, you know, 14 year olds sometimes. Now the dynamic is shifting. But back then when I was coming out of high school, it was really something, you know, that truly fascinated me. And, it, and I was kind of like the only one at the time that was talking about it, me and my friend group. So I noticed I was like, I had to come down to Georgia's Georgia, specifically Atlanta, because I've seen people that look like me that was actually doing well. So again, going back to, you know, Pennsylvania, if you go outside of Philadelphia or Harrisburg or a city like Reading or Lancaster, you're not seeing, nobody, you're not seeing no one that's really, you know, that looks like us doing well for themselves. And that's not basketball player, football player, entertainer, mm. they're, you know, or they're, they're not doing well in terms of like a lawyer or, you know, as a business person, as an entrepreneur, right. a career. Yeah. So when I came down to Atlanta one time, Man, it was just like my eyes just gleamed. It was amazing. I'm like, what? He's in a he's in a Benz, but he's not just in a Benz to be in a Benz. He's in a Benz because he worked for it. He's right, right. consistent, man. The right. hard work. He's a lawyer. He's doing this. He's doing that. So that that kind of gave me hope. You know, that was like kind of my first time seeing that. You know, a lot of people, you know, from our community, we really don't get to see that. You know, unless you go to a big, big, big city. You know, like New York. Right. So, right. Coming down here, it kind of motivated me to go down to Georgia State, and I actually never stepped foot on Georgia State's campus before I made the decision. To oh come wow! Here. So I took a big That's risk. That's tough. Yeah. You know, I took a big, I took a huge risk. I really didn't have any uh, private scholarships, mm. or uh, I had a little bit of financial aid, but you know, I just I said I'm gonna take a risk because I felt like as a black man, I can grow here. Yeah. It wasn't about you know attaining that degree or anything. It's just as a black grow. man, I can grow here. Growth so. The growth opportunity. So that's how initially I came down to Georgia State and how I chose the major of finance. That's what's up, man. That's a lot of backstory, bro. That's one hell of a journey, yeah, bro. Man. Congrats, man. Um, really, really big accomplishment for you there. Um, and then I, I know I'm going to touch back on that work ethic, man. So, like, really, you know, the podcast is about highlighting real people, attaining real results. Mm -hmm. And 
I know both of you guys had some dope internships coming out of Georgia State. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want you to touch on how did you even obtain that internship? What was the first step? Um, okay. And then what was the internship and where was it at? Oh, Definitely. Perfect. That's yeah. your first, man. Um, okay. So <laughs> before I even talk about how I got the internship, I think um, in order for me to even get that interview, yeah, like yeah. I think the, the work started way before. Yeah. Um, always so, does. Yeah. It always mm -hmm. does. So luckily, once again, my older sister, she's been a, a huge uh, player in my corner my whole life. Mm -hmm. She told me about Panthers on Wall Street at Georgia State. Which is a program that um, for usually usually finance majors, but also just business majors in general, they take them to Wall Street in New York and uh, yeah. expose them to the investment banks. And it's the world of investment banking, and they can network. And usually, once you come out of that program, you're going to get a job in investment banking or consulting. Right. And um, at the time, freshman year, I went to investment banking. I don't know what was going through my head to, <laughs> to want to do investment banking, but nah, I want to. Nice. Yeah. So. That's another beast. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a whole that's, different beast, man. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, luckily, I actually, you know, went and, and, and met the people, Sherry, uh, Jason, Ulrich, yep, all the yep, people that, you know, yep. are working in RCB to yep. make those programs happen. Right. And I, I went through the process. I, I applied. I got past the first round. I got to the, what is it, the networking cocktail? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, exactly. And that's, and that's when it got real for me. That's when I really got tested. But, you know, I think I actually did well because although I realized that I did not want to do investment banking just because it's so, uh, it's like such a cutthroat business, like I yeah. felt like I would have hated my life just yeah. because the people that work in that business, they have to be cutthroat. They may mm -hmm. not be bad people. It's just a, it's a very cutthroat business. Mm -hmm. So they're forced to become very like cutthroat, just talk about mm -hmm. money, talk about numbers. I don't want to hear anything else, right? And I didn't want to work in that type of environment. Nah, for mm -hmm. real. And at the time, you know, I told people were telling me about fintech. Right. So I was interested more in technology. And uh, luckily, I was able to express my interest in technology to some of the judges that I met. And they were like, well, we like you. You should, uh, you should try for Penders in the Valley. And that's how it all started. I tried for Penders in the mm -hmm. Valley. And, you know, you know, we go through a program like that. They tell you about networking, about LinkedIn, about... You know, they look at your resume, yep, and that's yep. when it all started. I put that on my resume, and then a um, couple months later, after the whole trip to, to the Valley, I got, you know, I was lucky enough to look at companies like Airbnb, Facebook, mm -hmm. Microsoft, talk to even Apple, BlackRock, talk to their recruiters. And, yeah. I mean, after an experience like that, you're pretty much confident in almost any situation. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Whenever, you, whenever I had an interview, I remember after after Benz in the Valley, I always knew if I walk in that room, I'm getting that job. Or that internship. I just knew it because it's like repetition. You do something over and over and yep. over again, you're going to get better at it. Mm. So fast forward, I think it was about 2018, December 2018, I applied to an internship at Coca-Cola mm. through a Handshake. Handshake is an app, really a website, a portal that connects jobs to students. Yep. And yep. I took, they have it at a lot of universities. Yep. Luckily, they have it at Georgia State. I just logged on there one day and applied. I forgot <laughs> I even applied. That's how it be. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot <laughs> wow, I even I applied. Mean. And um, you forget. On handshake. Yeah, wow. handshake. Yeah, that's wow. it. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I ever got a job with handshake. No facts. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's wow. handshake. That's what I, I got interviewed. No right. job. Yeah. <laughs> I was really surprised. Like I, I don't know. Like, it was just like, I don't know if it was luck or what, but you know sometimes just when it's meant to be, it's, it's meant, meant to, to be, be, bro. It's meant to be. So like in January, I come back for the spring semester, um, and I get an email from. Actually, no, I got a call from mm. the Coca-Cola uh, recruiter, mm. and he was saying, yeah, we saw you apply for the IT internship this summer. Mm. We want to invite you to the Super Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, super Day. Okay. Yeah, so they sent me the info. I went to the Super Day. 
Uh, I remember they, they put me in the hotel downtown by Georgia Tech, you know, right oh, where dang. the campus is. They put you in the hotel and you at Georgia State. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's right down That's our backyard. Yeah. That's our backyard. Hey, money bags, man. Yeah, yeah, I was they like, try, they try, <laughs> they're trying to you. butter you up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I had my sister come through at the hotel, you know, kind of like, you know, pump me up. Yeah, she was just telling me, you know, she was basically telling me, like, yo, you got this. Yeah, it's easy money. You got this. So, you know, luckily I went through the interview process and it just. It was a blessing. It worked out for me. They ended up putting me on the data science team, mm. which I, mm. I had no experience in data science. I couldn't code or anything like that. Right. It was just a blessing. It was a, it was, um, fun. It was a, it was a uh, steep learning curve. Oh, for sure, for gotcha. sure. Like I was, I was working. Like I would come home from work and still be working. Dang. They had me working on Power BI actually. Oh, okay. The whole summer I was on Power BI. Dang. Power BI. Power BI. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you said it was a beast. Yeah. What is Power BI? If you guys don't mind. It's like it's like Tableau. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like Tableau. It's really for visuals. Visuals. Dashboarding. Dashboarding. Yeah. Yeah. Dashboarding. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know everybody from dashboards. Yeah, man. Especially C-suite execs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want to see things quick. Yeah. Big companies, man. Yeah, man. What about you, Frankie? Yeah, well, just to feed off of Adonis, it, the work really started for me to obtain my first internship way before really freshman year. Yep. Um, so as you guys, I don't know if anyone's watching this, knows about RCB. That's a Robinson College of Business. Yes, sir. Um, they, they host, and Georgia State hosts freshman learning communities. So initially, that's how I kind of got placed into the stratosphere of uh, commercial real estate because I kind of knew I wanted to get in real estate at the time coming in my freshman year and I was coming into my freshman year with a mission because as you guys know I've been really I was coming from out of state so I knew I had to make things shape really fast man really fast because time is ticking so uh, during the freshman learning communities called communities they actually brought out alumni that was in um, commercial real estate I still remember his name to this day Danny Coe he worked for Collier's International I think he was a senior sales consultant if I'm not mistaken and so I, I touched base with them and, you know, uh, I kind of wanted to live by, you know, just you, you only live once, you know, and, you know, you, you never know if you're going to see that person again. True. So I reached out to him and said, hey, um, while I was with him, I was just said, you mind if I do like a shadow ship, you know, if I shadow you for a day, things of that nature. Because I love the way he was talking about his business and yeah. how things was in the commercial real estate because it was a whole new spectrum of real estate mm. rather than residential, which is just the selling of homes um, and right. like uh, residential units. Right. So when I heard that and I was like, oh yeah, can I do a, you know, a shadow ship with you? And he was like, yeah, sure. So he brought me out one day to the office um, to in Midtown, Midtown Atlanta. And it kind of just it blew my mind. I was like, oh wow, this is commercial real estate, things of that nature. I ended up not getting the internship with him. I only shadowed him for a couple of days. Right. But you know, that was, that was definitely a big time for me. So fast forward, you know, using those skills, you know, reaching out to people again, 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 getting denied again, again, (laughs) again, you know, and people not even responding to you. I just didn't let it phase me. And uh, again, reaching out to people, just asking if I could do, you know, shadow you for the day and things of that nature. Resilience, man, for real. And one of these days, you know, me and Adonis is going to touch on it later in the podcast. We started a business. Um... I was kind of at that entrepreneur where, I was just, where it was just like, you know, that's all I wanted to do. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted to do. It took up the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my, my boy Terry, he came up to me and was just like, yo, Frankie, they're having a commercial real estate uh, kind of uh, seminar, seminar yeah. slash event, sales event and, you know, recruiting event, excuse me, at the RCB school. And I was like, nah, man, I'm good. I'm good. But God, God had plans for me. You yeah. know, that, that was the thing. He had plans for me. I was like, you know what? I love real estate. Yep. Why not check it out? Why not check, Why not it, check it out? So the um, 
NBA organization there was there. They're, they're the uh, Mortgage Bankers Association. Okay. They were all there, and they had companies like Knight, um, JLO, Knight okay. Frank, uh, Walker and Dunlop, uh, this things of that nature. And I was just talking, you know, mingling around the room, networking. networking. Yep. And then, you know, I came across a recruiter that was, you know, stood out against all the other recruiters, me and her connected, linked up. This was for Walker and Dunlop, which is just really a, a lender, a commercial lender for real estate. And yeah, we connected, linked up, and we pushed through the actual processes, the interviews. It was about three to four stage interview. I um, started with the recruiter in, in person, then I did an on-the-phone interview, yep. then I had a meeting and interview with the SVP and then the president of the company in uh, California. It was a Zoom call, obviously. And yeah, that's how I got the internship at Walker and Dunlop in Philadelphia. Yeah, mm. and I actually... It's all tight, me and Frankie. I actually uh, you put me down as a reference. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Lee, let me, can you do this for me, they, man? Right, they called me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they called sure. me. They, they called sure. me. They called me. Uh, it was like, yeah, they called me. Um, yeah, they called me. It was like, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Frankie Murphy? I'm like, of course, of course. You know, just dropping. <laughs> You know, speaking highly of my God, man, you know. Yeah. That's um, the importance of a network. network People man. you can call on and depend upon. Nah, know, it's so. facts, facts, so, facts, facts. It's a blessing, for real. Facts. That's mm -hmm. good, man. Nah, great, great internships. And I kind of want to touch on, you know, um, how now that you had that internship, right, you got you got to see the corporate world. You got to get some experience about, you know, mm -hmm. what is commercial real estate lending or what, it, you know, what is what does a data scientist look like? How does that affect your vision for post grad? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I can I can say this uh, post grad man, it changed my whole visual vision in terms of like it's limitless. You know, mm -hmm. when you see one of these big companies, you know, especially as an entrepreneur, you just think, why can't it be you? Why mm -hmm. you know why can't it be you? You know, so doing that internship, I was in the capital markets um, section of the business, so that just centered around creating, uh, going out, finding uh, developers that need loans to be done and write them off and then packaging the loans and selling them to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which is GSEs or government sponsored entities in uh, commercial real estate. And those are just entities responsible for making sure the, um, the whole housing market and the mortgage market is you know stable. You know They're buying up mortgages and things of that nature to create affordable housing. So that really changed my mindset in terms of because we looked at loans i you know as africans americans you know we've been denied you know loans for so long you know still being denied. still being denied so just taking us behind the scenes of how things work how things get approved how we package stuff and sell it to you know these governments and things of that nature yep. it, it just really put me in that that area and that that seat and position to you know strive for more and to know what to do when i get to that position when we you know so that was, that was really it for me. Did you tap into the underwriting process? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So we talked a lot about... process. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Underwriting. We underwrited buy and rehabs. Um, so what we call those value-add properties, commercial properties. We did uh, commercial units in terms of industrial, you know, like storage units and just regular warehouses. What else did we tap in? Capital Markets does not deal with uh, multifamily. We do some multifamily, but they have... An actual segment dedicated to multifamily. Mm -hmm. So we did multifamily, but not as much. And multifamily is just really more than four units. You know, large scale multifamilies, like above 250 units. Mm -hmm. You know, like $250 million loans, we would have to underwrite. Mm -hmm. You know, like big money. 
So who were, who were who were these people? You know, trying to seek that were seeking the loan. The developers. The gotcha. developers are the people that pull together the ideas that initially seek out that land and seek out that opportunity. Mm. And to feed off, you know, just you know, jumping ahead. That's actually what I kind of want to get into because those are the people that's really obtaining that equity, obtaining that cash flow, and then they're obtaining that balloon payment at the end of the cycle when it's time to sell that property. So. Again, just touching back in on capital markets. Uh, so yeah, that's just primarily what we did. We went out and found the actual developer. We went and uh, vetted the developer to see if his you know financial statements is correct for the opportunity. If it's a new construction or value add or you know a, a industrial warehouse, we just made sure his finances were together and you know packaged it, sent it off to a bank or we sent it off to one of the GSEs like Fannie or Freddie Mac. And then once you got back an approval, that's where you know, we would talk to a developer, kind of like consulting and say, hey, we think this deal might be better or this deal might be better because we might be able to refinance out of that deal at a lower rate and things of that nature. There's so many facets moving within that actual loan and that actual uh, note. So we would be a consultant as well at the end of the process once they would receive that note. And then once they receive that note, that's when we get paid. Uh, in terms of production, so capital markets is a production side of the arm of Walker and Dunlop. And then once they get the um, the loan, the note, they would then end up making a note payable due to us, and then we would get that fee, and then they would distribute it through all of us. And it's kind of like a sales position. Sure. Right. Okay. And then what about you, Adonis? I know you interned at Coke, so like, how did that you know, impacts your vision towards post-grad. And you also had an internship at Delta. Man. Yeah. So how did those two major powerhouse companies in Atlanta, right. you know, impact your decision-making for post-grad? Right. Well, I mean, first of all, definitely just want to say I'm, I'm very still, I'm still grateful that I was able to intern at those companies. Um, both great experiences. I, I learned so much, met so many great people. That being said, um, I made it a point to actually network a lot and talk to people. So yeah. I was having lunch with people sometimes once, twice, even three times a week, right? Yep. As, especially I was trying to seek out black people. And, and I was trying to see if I could picture myself in their shoes 10 years from now, 20 mm. years from now. And unfortunately, you couldn't. I couldn't. Mm. You know, I, I just could not. I see. I feel it. And, and it's crazy. I guess they say you attract what you, you know, what you are or who you are. But a lot of people I was meeting, they were entrepreneurs themselves. Mm. A couple of them were actually, the first few I talked to, some of them were into e-commerce, some of them had were into real estate, mm. some of them had uh, smoke shops mm. out of everything, and they were telling me, uh, you, should, you should go full into what you're doing now. You have a year left before you graduate, make it happen, mm. so that you don't have to go through this if you don't want to. So, basically, before I even ever went corporate, I knew that uh, I probably, that probably wasn't the route for me. Just because what I saw what my sister was going through when she was corporate, that being said, you never know until you actually experience it. So it's good to right. be able to learn through other people. But um, until you actually go through it yourself, like waking up and going to all the meetings, meet, or meet, meetings from like 8 to 5 about oh, yeah. agile, oh, yeah. like agile methodology. I'm like, I don't <laughs> care about agile methodology. Why do I have to be in this? I have work to do. Right, no. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, have, I have actual work to do. You're making me come to this meeting. I have to, I'm, actually, I'm actually trying to get this work done. That's no, that's corporate, to, bro. Yeah. So it was, I, I just couldn't do it. Um, 
once again, still grateful that I had those experiences. I right, mean, right. I learned about Python. I learned about Power BI. I learned about how to, right. like Frankie said, how a well-oiled corporation really works and right. how to deal with people. Yep. And then with Delta, I cannot complain at all. I, I, I had travel benefits. Mm. I was able to travel. So <laughs> yes, I, I'm not <laughs> travel benefits. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not complaining at all. But it's just, like I said, I couldn't really picture myself, you know, doing a 20-year, 30-year career right. at a corporation and, you know, having to fight for this one or two spots when it's like mm-hmm. 50 or even 500 people all trying to get to the same spot right. knowing we're not going to be ceo cfo cto mm-hmm. there's just not enough room for all of us all of us yeah so I was, i'm going to build my own vision instead of helping them build their vision right right exactly. hey man you touched on knowing other entrepreneurs within corporate mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that's something that a lot of people don't understand or don't mm. think they can do right? Right, right, right have that nine to five and then leverage those same skill sets to build your own business or own side hustle 100 you know and i think it just comes down to who wants it more you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. who has that mindset of building that generational wealth for their families right. and loved ones right mm-hmm. um, but also making the uh, a difference right because that's what the black community is missing mm. you know and that's that's what we about to tap into right now mm-hmm. man it's how how important it is to leverage the skill sets that you learn from corporate mm-hmm. to build multiple streams of income for yourself and your family. Nice. So I know that being said, you you both are you know very active in in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. So what exactly do you specialize in in the real estate industry? Are you a job seeker or professional looking to take their career to the next level? Spark Your Resume is an online resume writing and career advancement services company here for you. Spark Your Resume specializes in resume enhancement, LinkedIn profile development, interview coaching, and career consulting. They help professionals from undergrad students to the executive level. They have helped over 120 clients land interviews and jobs at companies such as Apple, Facebook, Fiserv, Wells Fargo, PwC, Emory Healthcare, and more. They offer their number one seller to spark your career package, which includes a resume enhancement, LinkedIn profile development, personalized cover letter, messaging template so you get an introduction email template, cover letter template, and thank you letter template, along with a 45-minute tutorial on how to navigate LinkedIn effectively. You can also download their free interview guide at www sparkyourresume.com forward slash interview dash guide. Visit their website at www.sparkyourresume.com to learn more about the company, services, and pricing. Spark Your Resume, helping real people obtain real results. Uh, first, first and foremost, I want to start by saying uh, with, with corporate, one thing to not get wrong is that, like you said, you can do corporate and still run your business yes. on the side. Mm. And also, as far as real estate, banks love W-2s. Mm. Banks love W-2s. So mm. if you have a great corporate job, you can use that to get a lot of properties, mm. a lot of properties that you will not oh, be yeah, able to yeah, get yeah. where you're, you know, it's just tough. It's very yeah. tough. Mm. You talked to me about that the other day. Yeah, it's last tough. time to get some properties with that W-2. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, what do you what do you specialize in though in the in the real estate industry? Yeah, so me and Adonis again we met around the, the Panthers on Wall Street cohort. Yeah, after we met at Panthers on Wall Street. Yeah, we met Panthers on Wall Street while I was a freshman. I think you were a senior. Sophomore, sophomore, sophomore. sophomore, sophomore yeah. I said senior. Huh? 
But um, yeah, that's we kind of uh, linked up. We just kept yeah. in touch and communication. And really, one summer we were just like, man, real estate's where it's at. You know, real estate's where it's at. That's where and it clicked. That's where it clicked. But then we were like, what is the lowest barrier to entry or the easiest barrier to entry where we could build our capital much and start expanding where mm. we needed to? So we came across wholesale real estate. Mm. And wholesaling, essentially all wholesaling is, is assigning a deed. A deed is the ownership title of a property to an investor. So you're basically the middleman between a distressed seller, things what we call a distressed seller, and an investor, the one who's willing to flip the property and make actual rehab to the property. And what is it a, a distressed seller for the people that don't know? A distressed seller. Now, you want a distressed seller, man. Yeah, a distressed seller can come in all shapes, sizes, and motivations. Really. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally. So really, all, all you're looking for, it's not necessarily even a distressed property, it's a distressed seller, like mm -hmm. you said. So people who may have just lost their job, mm -hmm. I'm actually current example right now. We're going into a wave, a huge wave of foreclosures. Right. Yeah. People are real unfortunately get evicted. So right, due to COVID, huh? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So that's that's a motivated seller. Right mm. there. Okay. Got it. Financials okay. and don't forget about um, you know people that's actually died and inherited homes. Some people can't actually afford you know to pay those bills and things of that nature. So we would kind of be like the intermediary that really would seek to help them and to help them get that financial burden off of their hands you know so it was more of a helping business and a marketing business at the same time because we're in the business to help people we were in the business to help people so that's what it was all centered around so if i'm if i'm a distressed seller what what does that process look like right. for me mm -hmm. from from your end right. right as the 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 specialist in wholesaling mm. How do you even find these distressed sellers? Mm. And then when you do find them, walk them through that process of obtaining the contract. Mm. I love that. I love that question, man. Nice. Well, you said, how do we find them? That really starts with marketing. It all starts with marketing, it's right? It's a marketing machine. Donis every business is Every business. That's a key. It's a key department, man. And that was Adonis's uh, leg of the, of the firm right there. Yeah. I know Adonis can attest a little bit more to the marketing. For sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, so my background, I started out with e-commerce back in the day. So I, I, knew, I was decent with Facebook ads, mm -hmm. and just systems in general. I, I didn't really like doing too much cold calling. I did it when right. we had to; it was right. necessary. Right. Right. But I really just preferred to run systems, yeah. you know, run traffic to a website, things like that. So I was running Facebook ads, and also um, kind of help, helping manage our cold callers. So we had a cold caller. Mm -hmm. uh, I was mostly running the Facebook ads, making sure our automations was okay. So when someone would fill out a lead form on Facebook, we would automatically shoot them a text message and it was, you know, send that same text message to our CRM in Podio. We used Podio at the time. So I was just, yeah, making sure that uh, we kept having, we kept, we just had leads to call mm -hmm. using Facebook ads and uh, we also did text messaging and uh, cold calling. Mm -hmm. And uh, the funneling too through the website. Yeah, yeah. We also had a website that funneled yeah, we leads as well. Yeah, we had a website. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then once it, you know, Adonis does his thing with marketing, that's where I come in. I'm more of the talker. I'm more of the guy that makes that first or second touch with the actual distressed seller and contacts them. So after the marketing comes to me, I will actually give them a cold call or maybe a warm lead if it's through Facebook. Because mm -hmm. if it's through Facebook, it's most likely a warm lead. lead yep. I would touch them. And then, um, you know, I would go over the four pillars, what we call in real estate. So, yep. you know, be it will be the condition of the home. What is the condition of the home looking like? What's the foundation of the property looking like? Does it need a roof? You know, is there any uh, taxes, delinquent taxes on the property? Just things of that nature. You kind of want to vet the property because an investor, you need to know exactly what you're getting yourself into. So then you will get through the one pillar. Then the second pillar is motivation. That's probably one of the most important factors 
because that's going to decide if they truly are motivated to sell. So we will go through the motivation and then the timeline that will really give us a sense of if we need a follow up or if we, you know, we can make it happen right now. And then the last pillar, which is price. You know, everyone loves talking about price, but you can't get to price unless you're talking about the motivation or unless you're talking about the condition. Right. So that's when I come in and, you know, we would make if they didn't want to sell, we would then end up following back up and following back up and following back up with them. But after that, after the marketing and then touching up with the seller, that's pretty much it. You just make a sales pitch to them and, you know, you, you break down what the company does and how we do and um, what we can offer them. Right. So you, you're pretty much laying out your value proposition. Exactly. Uh, why they should do business with you over anybody exactly. else. Exactly. Build that rapport. What is build what is, rapport? That That's probably the... Oh, man. Building rapport. I think... That's what I was about to ask you. Like, mm -hmm. how, how, how long are you building that report before it's a, before it's a cold lead, mm. right? How many follow-ups are there? Man, we, we, <laughs> we followed many. up, man, too I'm many. telling you. But honestly, it all depends on the seller, but mm. you know, but a lot of times I find myself building good rapport with a seller just because I'm more of a straight to the point and I kind of am warm to them. I'm not like hard and cold. Some, right. actually, you like again, I say it depends on the seller. But, you know, I always ask how the seller's day is going and things of that right. nature. And I would kind of get them loosen up a little bit. Being and genuine. Being and genuine, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, obviously you get what you call like those green uh, motivated sellers, many of them more analytical. They're more, they want to sit down, talk detail, talk numbers. Right. Or you would get, you know, a red personality seller, which is more of, you know, straight to the point, cold. Then you would get a blue one who wants to be more warm and things of that nature. But I found more than likely it's great, obviously, just being genuine, being straight to the point and describing the value you can add to them and helping them get out of that situation. Hmm. Dang. That's some gems, man. That's some gems. So y'all just taught me about wholesaling. <laughs> wholesaling 101. Man, right. wholesaling 101. But nah, man, I think one other thing I want the people to really understand is that this is not a game, right? No, this no is, not at all. This is most definitely another stream of income. So I kind of, I want you to touch on how Where's the profitability come in yeah, with wholesaling? Mm. How does how does that what does that look like from your end and probably from the consumer's end too? So like, mm. what are they? What is the consumer or the person the distressed seller mm -hmm. have? Where is their role play when it comes to paying you guys? Okay, mm. like who's actually right? How do you when, when do you get paid? Yeah, when, when, yeah, when did you get paid? Break down the process. Yeah. When did you get it paid, and so, how and who who's that check coming from? Perfect. Okay. So yeah. so I, I want to the way you said it's not a game. I want to talk about a quick story. <laughs> we have a lot of stories. We have a lot of stories. We meet man, so many guys. people that are in situations that mm. are, are really tough situations, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not a game at all. And we realize. I mean, we started when we were eighteen. Mm. And at one point, we had to realize, like, whoa, we're really dealing with people's lives. Yeah, right we here. started when we were 18. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, Time flies, man. Really. You remember that, that land deal in Jonesboro? It was a, it was a, we, we, we pull up, it was an older gentleman, right? Mm. And he, he had to sell his land. He was really motivated because actually, it turns out, his partner was in jail. Mm. His, mm -hmm. his boyfriend actually was in, was in jail. Mm. He had to bail him out. Dang. And he needed, yeah. he was trying to sell the land for... I forgot how much, like 10K, like it wasn't... 10K, no, he wanted 15 15K, 15K, yeah, something 15K. like that. So, we go over there, I'm missing Jonesboro, you don't have too many comps, but we're looking at this, like, so it's a deal. Right. Um, but then we had to really look at each other, like, whoa, this is a lot of pressure. If we mm -hmm. don't close this deal, someone is in jail right now waiting right. on us to right. close this deal so he can get his money. Mm -hmm. 
and you know, real estate transactions. I mean, it can take two weeks. Two weeks, if that's that's quick. So it's hope two weeks, you know. Yeah, you know, but really sometimes good. it can take a couple weeks. You know, it's so it's, months, it's, yeah. it's not it's not a it's not a game not at all. Like you said, it's, it's it's definitely it was a lot of pressure at times. Mm-hmm. But how the whole process on how to get paid? Yeah, you, you want me to? Yeah, yeah. So how you get paid? You the actual distressed seller doesn't pay you. So right, the, that's what I figured. We call it A B C. So A right. is the distressed seller. B is us, the middleman. Gotcha. And C is the investor. Gotcha. So the investor will be the actual ones paying to us through a what we call an assignment contract. Got so it. assignment contract, we do a purchase and sell agreement, a regular real estate contract to buy a property, buy a piece of land. And then what we would end up doing is hold that contract in our name. So then we would have what they call equitable interest in that property. So Got we it. can make actual decisions based on that property. property right. right. So if we wanted to buy that, you know, obviously we could buy that property. Right. But then we would want to market it out, you know, obviously to see if we could see if we could get on the market through right. our own network. Gotcha. You know, so we're kind of like deal finders. So I like I I, I kind of, I'm kind of seeing this is like affiliate marketing for real estate. <laughs> I see it, man. That's that's what I'm thinking. Like you find properties, mm-hmm. right? You you put it on the market. Mm-hmm. You do the you do your due diligence in making that property known mm-hmm. up for a certain I guess a certain numeric value. Right. And people come through you mm-hmm. to to close the deal. No, legit. Because what we found out is the reason this market exists is because. None against them. Cash buyers, a lot of cash buyers, they're they're just not willing to look for properties as much as you know. Obviously, us. Right. That's what we don't want to do the legwork. They don't want to do the legwork. Some of them don't even know how. Exactly. Some of them don't even know how, or or build up the actual marketing systems and funnels to you know create those constant yeah. leads. So the investor would end up paying us that extra fee, what we call a you know a market fee or assignment fee. Mm-hmm. We would sign that contract or deed over to them, and then they handle everything else from there. That's it. Wow. All in cash. It's all usually all in cash deal too. And what's what's the average percentage of that deal that the wholesaler that the mm-hmm. B that mm-hmm. the B A A B C the B right. U walk out with? Right. So we don't actually go by percentages. Uh, okay. we usually just do, you know, our wholesaling fee, which is around ten thousand dollars, ten thousand, gotcha. fifteen thousand. Gotcha. We shoot for fifteen thousand, but you know, depending on how the numbers work and you know if we can get this property off and you know, quick. Yeah, yeah. It, it depends. Some yeah. there's some people I don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. Eighty thousand dollars signing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't get none of those big fees yet, man. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, so now, does it have anything to do with the property? Oh, yeah, absolutely. it's just it's just okay. how deep of a di- you. So you make your money when you sign that contract with that seller. With the seller, the distress seller. Yeah, mm-hmm. gotcha. But the deeper the discount, the the higher of a, right, right, of right, a right, fee right. you can make. Right, mm-hmm. right. Because that's that's pretty much your margin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You buy it for this price, sell it for this price. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever in between is what you get. Yep. Exactly. Just like that. It's not, it's not it's not hard to understand. Really, it's the a most simple business. It's such a simple <laughs> business, simple. but it goes back to what it's Adonis hard. was saying: is hard work it's and hard. consistency. So, hard what's work. the hardest part about wholesaling real estate? Then, um, hmm, what's the hardest hmm. part? <laughs> hmm. Is it the, is it is it the cold? Well, the thing is, still follow up. I think any business like this that doesn't have a lot of barriers to entry, mm-hmm. that's why everybody starts through a wholesale. Oh, well, they start Got through you. wholesaling. It's a lot of competition. A lot mm-hmm. of competition. Right. Gotcha. None of us want to wholesale forever. Right. Facts. This was just an entry or gateway to what we want to do. It was just buy multifamilies in bulk. You know, gotcha. It was a capital builder. Gotcha. So. Now, I do want to ask one more question about the wholesaling business. Now, what type of properties are you wholesaling? Mobile homes, mm-hmm. residential, 
mm-hmm. commercial. Mm-hmm. So essentially, when we first started out two years ago, we were just primarily focused on single family homes, strictly single family homes, maybe okay. some duplexes here and there if we can get our hands. And we tried to dip our hand in land. We had probably how many? Too many. We had a lot of land contracts, like over three plus, man, in yeah. the last this year alone, in the beginning of this quarter alone, uh, Q1. And really, we just didn't specialize in land. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't no have buyers. a lot of cash buyers, yeah, for, no land. buyers for land. So mm. we kind of moved that out of our, uh, you know, marketing network. Right, and pivot. Yeah, we pivoted hard, and then we started moving towards, you know, strictly single family and multifamilies because, okay. as you again, you know, a lot of investors they're going through a lot of distress right now, and right pre-pandemic they were going through a lot of distress. And Adonis can touch upon you guys about uh, storage units and things Ooh. of that nature. Well, <laughs> so we're pivoting yet again. Yeah, yeah we're pivoting yet again. Storage, storage units are units? crazy. Yeah, right. we're, we're actually looking to. So I think the great thing with storage units is such a wonderful asset class. Is uh, you can get a hundred percent financing for storage units, and we're not talking about like one single unit. We're talking about the whole facility, and these units. I mean, there's a our mentor's mentor. He has uh, was it eight storage units? Eight storage units. And he's making a hundred k from each storage unit. Cash flow, cash flow every month, guys. Because here's the Sheesh. thing: if you if you have if you have a, 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 a <laughs> I'm getting sold, I can't even. If yeah, you have yeah. an investment property, right? You have tenants in there. Right, right. You have to deal with, you know, toilets that you need to fix. Right, Sometimes right. they don't pay. We have to deal with tenants ourselves. We have mm-hmm. to eat. You know, oh yeah. Get people out of there. Right? We're gonna go into that a little bit. So mm-hmm. you have to deal with evictions. You know, sometimes some states are not friendly for evictions. True. Yeah, you you'll be battling them for weeks, if not months. Mm-hmm. With a storage unit, people don't pay you. Mm-hmm. You take their stuff, you put it out, you sell it, mm-hmm. and, you, and you get somebody else in there immediately. You know, it's it's like literally you don't pay. Mm-hmm. Within within like a couple of days, you're, you're you're done. You're out. And so storage units are just one wonderful asset classes because uh, the cash flow is crazy. And then for mm-hmm. financing. You can finance a deal, get hundred percent financing because right. people don't default on storage units. Right. Like it just doesn't happen. You don't default on storage units because mm. you're right. making money immediately. Right. So that's why we're we're trying to get into now. So right. Pivot to that. Right. And yeah. oh yeah, and, and and again, just knowing guys like really real estate, man, it's it's not hard in terms of you can just start looking stuff up right now. You know, right. you don't have to be a guru or even you know just. I don't even know. You just you can just look it up online. That's how we both got started. We just literally started oh, looking yeah. stuff it's up online. YouTube University, right? Man, and just start being resourceful, man. Right, yeah. and we just started looking to action. You know, yep. so and knowing the right people and knowing the yeah, right people. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yep. But yeah, man. I think what I want to end off with, just last but not least, man. Um, how has the how has the Georgia State University college career and real estate impacted your life and do you have any advice for anyone mm. looking to tap into the industry where they should start gsu mm. for me i think is it definitely that i'm happy about gsu because of the people i've met mm. mostly in the actual classes i've taken tell the truth a lot of them i didn't pay much attention i was just like let me go pass this exam and you know graduate because i'm ready to start my business or ready to grow my business but um with the people that i met frankie at panthers on wall street i met you uh, we went to a whole conference together yeah, in Houston, right? Houston, bro. Got to network with some great people. Man, I met Terry, so crazy companies crazy out there. Crazy companies. So I think 
Georgia State is still underestimated. Oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Very underrated. Absolutely. Especially the business school. Absolutely. Especially the business school. <laughs> Bro, Georgia State teaches us how to hustle. No yeah. facts. Yeah. And not only that, Georgia State, their alumni net network is yeah. so oh, deep. So yeah. deep. So deep. It's insane, man. So I, deep. It's one of the, it is the best decisions I made in my teens, you know? So Because I met people like you guys. Nice. It's, it's insane how Georgia State is still under the radar. But they're going to blow up. Yeah, it's, it's happening. It's definitely happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And to go in about uh, how real estate impacted our life, it's just really, yeah, man, man it, it, it's a cash cow and it's how you build wealth. You know, we want to we want to create generational wealth, mm -hmm. you know, and it's I want to say it's not hard to get into, but it just it will take consistency. Like I'm looking to buy my first multi. We're both looking to buy our first multifamily in the next coming months. So it's just really like making sure you do the analyzation, do the due diligence, you know, and treat it like a class, treat it like one of your passions and truly put in the work and you know you could get anything you want in this life benefits you can get any benefits in real estate you could sign a trust you could do anything in real estate man and houses aren't going anywhere it can't, Nowhere, make, it can't make more land no. you're gonna you're, you we always need shelter we always need shelter i don't care man. what's going on in the world you're gonna always need a place to live Listen, we go to mars we're gonna need houses on mars you feel me now we're gonna start wholesaling my bunch of multi-families out mars man. every it doesn't matter what's going on you're gonna always get a place to live so i must definitely think that real estate is the number one investment anybody can do if you're trying to build or start your number one extra stream of income. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm most definitely leveraging y'all to tap in, you know. <laughs> sure. So we most definitely going to talk. But nah, man, um, where can the people find you on social media? They can connect with you. Um, yeah, leave, leave all your information so they can they can contact you, starting with Frankie. Yeah, yeah, you guys can hit me up. Please, please hit me up with any questions. Uh, I'll give you guys my number two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 717-421-2770. Please hit me up if you have any questions about real estate, about life, about networking, about, you know, possibly getting an internship if you're interested in commercial real estate. I can assign you to people at Walker and Dunlop and things of that nature. Uh, hit me up on social media at uh, Ocho Frankie. That's F-R-A-N-K-E-E -E, um, on Instagram. And yeah, that's pretty much the only social media I have. And follow me on LinkedIn, Frankie Murphy. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even that active on LinkedIn anymore, but if you just type in Adonis Ayeva, Adonis, A-D-O-N-I-S, last name Ayeva, A-Y-E-V-A, and then on Instagram, same thing, just Adonis Ayeva, and uh, it's just full, no no dots, no anything, just Adonis Ayeva, and uh, you'll find me on there. Yeah, man. Yeah, connect, man. Adonis, Adonis, Adonis got his own podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, podcast. so I started a podcast, too, this, uh, this summer. Where I'm getting, you know, people like Leander, actually Leander, we just got Leander on the podcast mm. today. Yeah. So um, it's called Generational Gems. Yep. Heavy hitter. And uh, if yeah, you're ever Apple Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, mm -hmm. all that. All platforms. Mm -hmm. All platforms. Man, it's been a great episode, man. Real Estate Gurus. Sure, sure. Dropped some major gems, man. I appreciate y'all coming through. Pleasure this is the Spark Your Success Podcast. Where we dive into entrepreneurship, career advancement and highlight real people obtaining real results in multiple industries. I'm your host, Leander Howard II, founder and CEO of Sparky Resume, an online resume writing and career advancement services company, helping real people like yourself obtain real results. Peace. <laughs>